0: everybody, how are you doing this morning? Good. It's warm. It's warm. What we found is that, like last service, I was just drenched, so if front row, get ready to get sweated on. If I get excited, it's going to happen. But you know, it, it, the thing is, is to keep it cool enough to stay cool up here, you all got to freeze. And so, better to have me suffer alone and you to be comfortable than to have all of you suffer for my sake. <laughs> Okay, that was it. Uh, sweating is good; it's healthy. My name is Greg Boyd. I'm the senior pastor here at Wilton Hills Church, and as to said, it's good to see all of you. Hope you are feeling blessed. Uh, we are. Uh, I, got, I have Corgan Clay here from Haiti. Hello, Corgan or Ker- Kerrigan? Corgan uh, from Haiti. He he gets the award for the longest uh, trek to come to service this morning. And uh, he has a ministry uh, down in Haiti that's really doing some good stuff with, with kids and, and whatnot. Speaking of which, um, <clears throat> you're all invited to a party this Friday night at O'Gara's. It's on Lexington and Selby. And we're going to be uh, not dead yet, which is the band that I play in. I'm the drummer. And uh, we're going to be having a good time. And it's a fundraiser for kids in Haiti and stuff. So uh, feel free to come out and uh, have your party shoes on and dance shoes on because we're going to be uh, ripping it up. So, so make a point of being there. All right. Uh, we have been dealing with, uh you know, the last six, seven weeks, I guess, have been um, uh, taking a break from the book of Luke to do this animate series, which is about the imagination and, and things of that sort, and God really used it in some powerful ways. Just got a testimony this morning about a small group that was just sort of slaughtered by some of the exercises in the animate series. So, so God really used that, but now it's time for a while to go back to the book of Luke. Hallelujah. And this is kind of the pattern, the kind of pattern we'll be doing, as uh, we'll go through Luke, and then we'll take a break here and there, maybe eight, ten weeks or so, uh, and deal with the topic, and then come back to the book of Luke. And um, so that's sort of the flow of this thing. So we're up to Luke chapter 18, and I want to entitle this message, "Embracing the Pain." Exciting. It's going to be a painful message. Uh, embracing the pain gets at a fundamental principle of life. And so we're uh, looking at Luke 18, and we're up to verse 31 now. And here's what it says. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him, And kill him. Oh, yes, and by the way, on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. They wanted and expected a Messiah who would come and free them from their pain, not a Messiah who would himself go through pain. And it's a testimony to how we tend to find what we're looking for, what we expect to see. It's a testimony to our capacity to do that, that these disciples who were Orthodox Jews and knew their Scripture very well were completely unaware of the prophecies that said the Messiah would suffer. They were very aware of the the prophecies about the Messiah reigning victorious. They wanted to see those, so they saw those. They weren't so keen on seeing the prophecies about the Messiah suffering, and so those just kind of went over their head. Isaiah fifty three and things like that. So Jesus is here telling them, like, you know, before I reign in power, there's going to be this suffering, and they just didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Now why did Jesus have to go to Jerusalem and suffer? The answer of course is that he did that because was the only way of freeing us from the devil's domain, uh, from the oppression of the powers. It was the only way to bring about the complete reconciliation of our sin and our reconciliation with God, uh, the, the relief and uh, forgiveness of our sin. And uh, it's the only way that God could get us uh, freed to live with him throughout eternity. And the reason why God was keen on doing that is because he loves us. So much that the Bible says that as excruciating, as nightmarish as Calvary was, Jesus considered it joy to go through it in order to be with us. It says this in, in Hebrews 12, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame. For the joy that was set before him. There was no joy in being crucified and being mocked and all of that. Jesus himself sweat drops of blood. Uh, as he faced the prospect of being handed over to experience the enemy's wrath and, and, and uh, all the things he was going to go through with the sin of the world being put upon him, there's no joy in that. The joy is in what it accomplished. And what it accomplished was reconciling us to the Father and opening up the way for us to live with him throughout eternity. Never think for a moment that you are a bother to God. And sometimes people do nice things for you, but you know that you're kind of inconveniencing them, and maybe they'll let you know that. All right, I'll do it. There's no all right, I'll do it in God. It gave God joy to do what he did, to be reconciled to us. But it hits on a foundational life principle, certainly a foundational kingdom principle. You We could call it the Calvary principle, and it's this. To get to the joy, you have to go through the suffering. Most things in life that, are, that bring joy and fullness of life require that we suffer on the way to getting there. We embrace the pain on the way to getting there. Embracing the pain. Before I go any further, I want to stop and pray over this message. Uh, Father, I pray, God, for everybody in this auditorium and for everybody who maybe is listening through podcasts or some other means that you open up our hearts to receive this, a message that maybe we would rather not receive. How much joy, Lord, we miss. How much fullness of life. How much dancing with you instead of just merely surviving. How much of that do we miss because we try to avoid pain or mask pain rather than deal with it lord mature us grow us disciple us and use this message to do it holy spirit anoint it with your authority to change us to give us courage to face the pain for the sake of the joy that is before us in jesus name we pray and all god's people said amen Amen. to get to the joy you gotta suffer it's part of The deal here in this fallen world deep joy fullness of life being fully alive dancing at least requires most of the time that we're willing to uh, at least delay gratification postpone gratification we have to suffer in the short term if we want the joy and the fullness of life in the long term Uh, the old saying that they say in the gyms is at least partially true no pain no gain it's how it works. It's a, a universal principle in life, and you, you see evidence of it every, all over the place. Um, for example, if if as you get older, you know that in order to enjoy health, you've got to begin to say no to some of things that might give you immediate pleasure. Potato chips, for example, ho hos things of that sort. You could get away when you're 21 years old, eating those things and you burn up calories like it was nothing. But as you age a little bit, as the passage of time keeps on going on, like we sang about a little bit earlier, well, you start showing those potato chips and they start having an impact on you. And you can't, you know, just sit down with that bag and, uh, and watch the, the television and the nightly news. You got to say no to some of that stuff. If you want to stay healthy, maybe you got to start exercising, which is painful. But if you're going to stay healthy, you have to do it. If you want to enter into the joy of ongoing health, you've got to say no to some of the things that you'd rather say yes to. You suffer in the short term to have uh, the benefits in the long term. Relationships are like this. If you want to enjoy deep friendships, then you have to be willing uh, to persevere sometimes. You can't be the kind of person that bails as soon as it gets a little bit inconvenient, a little bit awkward, a little bit tough. You'll never have deep significant friendships if you do that. The only way to really experience deep, meaningful friendships is if you're willing to put up with one another and work through stuff and and, and deal with stuff and stay in there. Sometimes when you'd rather maybe bolt out of there. No, see, to get to the joy, you got to go through the suffering. Marriage is like that, wouldn't you say? There's some husband out there whispering, oh no, it's been joy all the way through, but that's because your wife's sitting right next to you. If you were honest, it's tough, it's tough. You know, where you have to, if you want the joy of having, uh, you know, an ever-deepening, lifelong love relationship, the joy of that, and it is joy, but, but that means you have to put up with one another and deal with one another and work through issues and stop dancing around the elephant in the room and sometimes name it and deal with all the crap that goes with that. And, and you have to stay committed when sometimes you'd rather just run from the whole thing. But the payoff is worth it. The payoff is, is a long-lasting, deep, uh, growing, fulfilling marriage. But it takes a lot of work. No pain, no gain. If you want your life to be significant, you've got to adhere to the Calvary Principle. If if your life is self-absorbed and all your time and all your money or almost all your time and almost all your money is spent on you and your little circle of loved ones, well, your life just isn't going to be that significant. If you really want a significant life that makes a difference, you have to say no to yourself. You have to sacrifice for people, sacrifice your time and resources, helping out with the poor and, and other things. Now your life is taking on a meaning, but it means you have to sacrifice. There's some suffering, some inconvenience, some delayed gratification to get there. But it's worth it. There's such a joy in having a life that's meaningful, purposeful, that counts. And and certainly, if you're going to live a kingdom life and to be growing spiritually and to be growing in your relationship with God, there is no way in this fallen world to do that without pain. The very essence of discipleship means you're being disciplined which means you're delaying gratification. You're saying no to things that your fallen instincts would want to say yes to. But you're doing it for the joy set before you. And the joy set before you is growing to be a fully alive, vibrant, Jesus-loving, God-glorifying kingdom human being. But to get there requires engaging in the, 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 the disciplines, praying and, and fasting and and uh, community and, and other things. Jesus describes our life in the kingdom as dying to ourselves. It feels like death. Now, if you're willing to die, you'll live. That's the payoff. That's the Calvary principle, but it means saying no to some of the things you'd want to say yes to. It means you don't get to, you, you don't get to make all your own decisions. You submit everything to him. It means that you, you sub- subject your aspirations to him and, and everything you're about to him. That requires you to say no to yourself. But the payoff is worth it. It's, a, it's the life principle, the Calvary principle. No pain, no gain. Now, the, the problems we face is this, are, are these, two of them. One is, uh, probably very few people listening to this message in auditorium or uh, some other means, enjoys pain. There are a few people who do, and they have other issues. But the rest of us, <laughs> who are rather, you know, more on the scale of normal, <laughs> Although that's not saying much, but, but we, we, we don't like pain. I don't like pain. You avoid it if possible, and when you're in it, you want to get out of it. It's not fun. And so this requires that we have to fight against that, that principle all the time, and, and, and for the sake of a higher good, uh, we experience some pain. But we don't like it. It's, it's something that we want to get out of. The second thing, the second problem or challenge that we face is that we live in a culture— which, if it's anything, is a culture of instant gratification. It's a culture that conditions us uh, to believe that we have the right, the entitlement, never to have to delay gratification. Certainly never to have to suffer. We want it now. This is what the culture really is all about. Uh, It's amazing how, uh, with the advent of, of some of the modern technology, how it just has so enhanced our abilities to have it now. I want it, I get it. Don't have to delay anything. Everything happens so fast. You know, once upon a time, once upon a time, I'm told, uh, in the olden days, uh, there, there was a, people would, would, you know, spend an hour, two hours or more fixing dinners. They hadn't heard of this thing called microwaves. A microwave oven they, they would prepare dinners now I, I never grew up in a home like that My, rarely did we have that so I'm not even used to that but it was the norm in fact if you go way back before that people would spend you know uh, the whole day revolved around dinners and then when they w- w- would sit together and eat uh, it would, it would, for an hour or two hours they'd, they'd eat together and if someone was hungry before dinner they weren't allowed to eat they had to go through delayed gratification no because that will ruin your dinner and, and so they weren't allowed to eat now, nowadays, it's a little bit different. We can nuke it like that. I, I, honestly, and my life isn't totally t- atypical, but, but uh, once in a while, Shelly will feel led to make a dinner or something. But, but uh, other than that, we, 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 we microwave it. We both, we both just grew up like that. I, when I look in the refrigerator, and I, I think I'm not that atypical, when I look in the refrigerator to, for something to eat, I'm mainly thinking, how fast can I make it? Well, like, oh, that will take too long. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna and, and thankfully they now have all these vegetarian meals that you can just take out and put in the microwave and go for 90 seconds and they're good to go. So you nuke it for 90 seconds and eat it in another 90 seconds and then you can get on with your life. It's it's instant stuff right here, right now. Everything's like that. Back in the olden days, they had to dial the telephone. I was at a bed and breakfast several months ago I spoke at a, a church conference and they put me up in this bed and breakfast and they had in the, in the room one of these old dial telephones. And it amazed me how long it felt to dial a number. You had to, especially like one, you had to go all the way around and then it goes back and then four and then it goes back and then nine and it goes back. It took like 25 seconds to dial a stupid number. Can you believe that? Oh, the pain of it all. how they survive? <laughs> nowadays, you just boom, 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 boom and it's right there. In fact, nowadays, they have these telephones where you just say the name of the person in the phone, and it dials it automatically. You don't have to, you don't have to punch anything. I hate those phones. <laughs> I, I, I bought a new phone. My, I broke my old one, so I bought a new one. I said, give me the simplest one you want. I, no frills, because I'll never use them. I, I don't even want to learn how to use them. I just want to dial people. So they gave me this phone. Trouble is, it's got something on the side, which if you bump it, a lady comes on and says, say a command. You have have one of those? So you're sitting, you know, it's in your back pocket. You sit down, and then then there's a lady talking out of your rear going, say a command. (laughs) Well, here's a command. Shut up. She doesn't like that command. And I, there's no way to to, to, to you know, turn it off, and I don't want to even learn how to program it to do that. You know, It's too much more trouble than it's worth. But everything's here, everything's now. We're, we're, and it conditions us to expect to live life that way. Uh, back in the olden days, you had to write out letters by hand, and you had to lick envelopes, and, and stick them in envelopes and, and send them through the mail, and it took a week to get there, if it got there at all. That's still the case, isn't it? And uh, but now we just get an email, and we can just sort of you know, shoot off... you know. So quick. And we get frustrated, at least I get frustrated, if my computer's running slow so I can't, you know, see the letters that I'm typing for three or four seconds. Doesn't that bug you? I can't know. I don't know if I made a mistake. Come on! I think, this thing's so slow. But that's because we've so, we're so acclimated to speed, having it now. It conditions us that way. And then the commercials, of course, are always saying, have it now. You know, hurry. Supplies limited. And, uh, of course, we always have, at least up into the very recent past, The old uh, American way, Uh, don't wait uh, so you can afford it. No, buy now, pay later. Plastic it. Charge it. Back in the olden days, I'm told people saved up for stuff, even big stuff, before you bought it. I remember my dad, when he was about 58 years old, he was a chain smoker, smoked three, four packs a day, but he quit. And he he then took all the money that he saved from not smoking and put it into an account, and after two years, he bought a boat with it. That's how they did it back then. You saved up for stuff and then you bought it. Now we've, we're inclined to say, no, just throw plastic at it. Now what we've learned in the last year or so with this recession that we're going through uh, is that there's a limit to that. You can't sustain that. There's a bubble and it bursts. And so the, the banks and auto industries and homeowners and all of us are learning that truth. And, and so there's kind of a move back to this old thing called frugality, where you pinched pennies and, uh, pennies and, and you knew where things went And so maybe we're returning back to some of those old ways. But the culture as a whole is moving towards increasing instant gratification. And see, the trouble with that, when you have a culture like that, is it tends to make people undisciplined. Uh, And we experience all forms of pain as evil and try to avoid it at all costs. And uh, it it wreaks havoc on us. This is not how human beings in this fallen world grow and live. We, we, We pay a price for it in terms of our health. We live longer because of advances in, in, in medicine, but the quality of our, our, of our health uh, is, is hurt because of our inability to, to uh, delay gratification and, and go through pain. Uh, they say that two-thirds of our children are overweight, one-third of them obese, and uh, the inability to say no to our kids and have them delay gratification is part of the problem there. Because of our unwillingness to confront pain, our friendships tend to be shallow. Our marriages often are characterized by dancing around the elephant in the room rather than dealing with issues because it's too painful, and many of them end altogether. Many people live lives that aren't really significant because they don't say no to themselves for the sake of a higher good. And as every study that's ever been done on this topic in the last 10 years has shown, uh, our inability to delay gratification and go through pain for a greater joy means that Christians stay perpetually immature babies. We, we, we differ very little from non-Christians in terms of how we live and, and what we indulge or don't indulge. We pay a high price for this. No pain, no gain. Let me say two things about this. Number one, while the culture has taught us or at least conditioned us to believe that we have a right not to experience pain, we who follow Jesus need to know better than that. We're to expect pain. Jesus told us to expect pain. Uh, one of the reasons why we miss joy is because we think we have the right not to suffer. And so we alleviate it, run from it as, as, as though it's something foreign, as though it's something that ought not to be there. Jesus tells us, in this world, here's a promise of the Word of God that you can stand on. In this world, expect pain. In this world, you will have trials. If Jesus had to go through pain, uh, then we have to anticipate that we're going to go through pain. We are a people who need to know, remind ourselves, that this isn't Disney World. This isn't Vacationville. This world is not the ideal creation that God intended. This is a fallen world, a world that's oppressed by powers that corrupt it. This is a world that is a veritable war zone, amen? There's conflict going on all around us. And when you're in a state of war and when you're in the heat of battle, you understand that this isn't the time to just be looking out for your convenience and getting life as, as nice as possible. There's going to be suffering. That's what wars, that's what battles are all about. There's suffering. When they're in the military, even when you're not being shot at, there's suffering. You've got to go through training and all the discipline uh, to become the soldier that you're supposed to be. And the Bible says that we're soldiers. We're soldiers who are stationed behind enemy lines. And our job is to please our commanding officer, which means we're always in boot camp. We're always in battle we're always in training, which means suffering and inconvenience and delayed gratification is part of what we're to expect. In fact, at one level, our whole life is to be one delayed gratification. Because we know that this isn't the whole story; this is just a part of the story, the beginning of a story. Uh, we're not to be grabbing all the gusto we can get now, grabbing onto things now. Because we understand that this is a war zone time and, and, and we're building towards a future kingdom, we're to know that the purpose of life is not just to indulge our pleasures and enjoy things as much as possible now. The purpose, rather, is to build a kingdom, to do God's will, to be manifesting the love of God, to be sacrificing like Jesus sacrificed. Our riches are coming. We don't need to be craving them and grabbing them right now. Your mansion is coming. You don't need be living as big a mansion as you can get now. Uh, sometime in the future, every dream of the heart will be satisfied, which means we don't have to be trying to satisfy every aspiration of the heart now. This is the time where we sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom and enter into a higher joy, the joy of doing God's will. But we're to know that this is, the, this is normal. It's not something odd when we go through suffering in this world. Second thing is that so, so important that we let the pain in our life teach us. I don't think God is a pain inflictor. The Bible says he never willingly afflicts anybody. Sometimes he allows it uh, for various purposes, but, but some of it's just war zone stuff. But I do think Scripture teaches that God always uses it to grow us, to expand us, to teach us, if we're listening. See, In an instant gratification culture, we're conditioned to think that the only purpose for pain is to get out of it, or better yet, to avoid it altogether. But as a matter of fact, the purpose of pain, even on a merely biological level, the purpose of pain is to teach us something. It's there to tell us something isn't working. You've maybe heard stories of of, uh, these people who, uh, it's very rare, but for whatever reasons, can't sense pain. And they live in a very scary world because they can never learn what's wrong. Things can be terribly wrong, but they don't feel it. Pain is there to teach us, to grow us, to to tell us to pay attention to something, to move in a different direction. It says this about Jesus. One of the most surprising verses in the Bible is is Hebrews chapter 5, which says that Jesus Christ, even though he was the Son of God, yet he had to learn, learn obedience by the things which he suffered. And then once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He had to learn obedience. The word perfect there, talao in Greek, it doesn't mean that he uh, uh, grew morally or became better morally, but it does mean to complete something. And what it's telling us is that for Jesus to become a full kingdom human being, he had to go through suffering. He had to learn through suffering. Though he was the son of God, he had to learn through suffering. I'm thinking if Jesus had to learn through suffering, probably we also need to learn through suffering. But see, if our focus is entirely on how to get out of suffering immediately, as quick as possible, it's likely we won't learn what we're supposed to learn from the suffering. Now, there's some kinds of suffering that, you, that should just be ended as quick as possible. But if that is our default, then what we need to learn what we're supposed to learn from the pain, we might not learn. And sometimes we, that even makes the pain worse. It's a little bit like this. Uh, several years ago, I threw my back out. My, my, my family, the guys in the family, always have back problems. Starts in the mid 40s and uh, continues on. So in my mid 40s, I threw my back out, and uh, the pain just kind of kept on going on and on and on. And, and, and ibuprofen doesn't do a thing for it, Tylenol doesn't touch it, aspirin doesn't touch it, it doesn't do a thing. So it went on and it got to the point where I couldn't concentrate on writing or much of anything. So the doctor gave me a prescription of Vicodin. Yummy. (laughs) That's the only medication I've ever taken where not only does the pain go away, but you feel better than you felt, you know, when you're normal. And there's a legitimate short-term use for that. It's an incredible, uh, you know, pain reliever and really allows you to go on functioning. But it's not a long-term solution because it doesn't address the problem. It masks the pain but doesn't address the problem. Same thing is true of Oxycontin and then these other pres- prescription painkillers. Which, by the way, I, I've done research on this, they estimate that 2 to 4% of the American population is now addicted to prescription drugs. It's quadrupled in the last 10, 12 years. Uh, people, the trouble is, is that uh, this is an easy out. You pop a pill and the pain goes away. And as I said, there is a, a, a legitimate, valid use for that. But if you think it's a long-term solution, what's going to happen is you're just going to keep on compounding the problem. Uh, the, the pain there will continue on, but now what happens is, well, you take it and it starts by giving eight hours of relief. Within a couple weeks, it's giving you six hours of relief. Then it's giving you four hours of relief, so you've got to start multiplying it more and more. Before you know it, there are people out there who, who have to take it just to feel normal and uh, uh, then they get addicted to the stuff and it becomes their life begins to revolve around it and they end up like, you've heard of Brett Favre and some of these other celebrities are popping them all day long. Uh, people's lives start to revolve around this. Sometimes they flush a whole lot of life down the toilet, start stealing for it, becomes the center of everything and now you got a whole lot more than back problems. you you got, you got, a, you got a major life problem going on. There's a legitimate short-term use for it but it's not a permanent solution. So I, I saw quite quickly that... that I, for a long-term solution, you got to address the problem. The problem, it turns out, is much muscle atrophy in the lower back. And the way to correct that is by going through these very nasty stretching exercises and, and strengthening exercises. And You thought sit-ups were bad? Try doing the opposite with your back. Oh, they're, it's, it, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's a whole lot easier to pop a pill. But if you want the joy of, of being able to do life without chronic back pain, this is the pain you got to go through to get there. No pain, no gain. It's a Calvary principle. What happens, I think, a lot of times is that, that we, we hit on short-term solutions and try to make them long-term solutions. Sometimes the way we hit on short-term solutions is when we're kids. Because kids aren't capable of long-term solutions. When you're experiencing pain in your life, you don't have a lot of resources to fix the problem that's causing the pain. So what we do is we sometimes ingeniously devise ways of just stopping the pain. And that is understandable. It's like taking a Vicodin for for, for major pain when you can't do anything else. But it's not a long-term solution. And if we stay with those child solutions that just mask the pain, it causes greater pain later on. I I have said this before, given this illustration before, but when I was a kid growing up with with an abusive stepmother, uh, I had a lot of pain. And there came a time in my life, I remember it like it was yesterday when I said around the age of five or so, she will never hurt me again like it popped a major Vicodin. I'm not going to feel that pain anymore. And it amazes me that it worked. It worked. I, I, I never cried. No matter what she did, I never cried again. But the trouble is, the numbing is so good, it numbs everything. And you cut the, you cut the, the emotional nervous system and you cut your ability and your capacity to feel, feel, feel much of anything. Now, as a kid, I needed that. I, it helped me survive. But see, there comes a time when that short-term solution has got to be let go and you got to address the the real problem. You have to face the pain. You have to embrace the pain. To enter into the joy of a fully alive, full-feeling, full-loving kingdom human being, to enter into that joy, you got to go through the pain. You can't just keep on masking the pain or running away from the pain or avoiding the pain. And so there came a time where I had to face what was aching inside of me. And to face the pain, then began a long but beautiful process of healing as you invite God in that pain. And allow, you face it, you feel it, you cry, and you invite Jesus into it. And now he pushes you through that and matures you and grows you and heals you from it. But you'll never get there if you keep popping the Vicodin. You'll never get there as long as you keep on holding on to the old childhood strategies. If we keep blocking the pain, and there's a lot of strategies we hit as kids, sometimes it's escapist imagination or alternative personalities or, or various conclusions we come to, and it's understandable. You got to survive. But there comes a time where you, you want to do more than just survive and be numb, you want to dance. You, you, you want to enter the kingdom, you want to be a full, vibrant, fully alive, loving, full feeling human being. If we continue the pain-blocking strategy, it simply compounds the pain, compounds the problem. And, and then what happens is we evolve our strategies. Now we mask the pain with drugs, or we mask the pain with alcohol, or we mask the pain with sex addiction, or we, or we mask the pain with, with an eat, overeating disorder, or with workaholism, pouring ourselves into work, or pouring ourselves into some kind of entertainment, or, or, or maybe avoiding relationships, or any kind of deep relationships, or, or, or maybe getting involved in religion. That's a major way to mask pain in your life. But see, you're always dancing around the problem, numbing the problem, running away from the problem, never dealing with the problem. So you'll never grow to be a full, vibrant, fully alive, full feeling, God-glorifying human being. If you want to discover the joy set before you, the joy of being really a healthy kingdom human being, you've got to embrace the pain and learn from the pain and grow through the pain. It's there to teach you something. And whether you got the pain as a kid or in the process of living or, or, or things have just come under you recently, we all need to feel, let ourselves feel the pain and embrace it and learn from it. One of the things I've learned in, in, in the last couple of years especially is uh, I'm, I feel things most deeply. and I think this is generally true of most people, but we're all you know, different, so, so apply it in your life as you, see, as you see fit. But I feel internally I'm most in touch with what's going on inside of me first thing in the morning. As soon as life goes on, I find I can put things out of my brain real easily. I'm good at that. Maybe it's one of the things I learned as a kid. But when I first wake up, I feel things more deeply if I let myself. And I've learned that this is the best time for me to connect with God and submit the whole day before, even before I even get out of bed. I, I, I will just be aware of God's presence, and I'll surrender the day to God and, and, and just enjoy God's presence and then just kind of pray however he feels, however I feel like he's leading me to pray. And sometimes I will, as I'm laying there in God's presence, just feel the real. I want to feel what is real. What is real? And sometimes I'll notice there's an ache there's a pain there. Now, if I get out of bed and go about my date, it will go away, probably. But I don't want it to go away. I want to, I want to pay attention to it. Where is that coming from? What is it about? As I'm laying there and I'm, I'm, I'm just sensitive to what I'm uh, feeling the real. I might have, a, have an ache, and may, maybe the ache is for my wife and I'm supposed to pray for my wife or, or she's going through something and I, I just enter into that pain. Let myself feel that. That's part of what it is to be a fully alive human being. And let it teach me something, maybe about my relationship with my wife or, or, or with my son. Sometimes I'll just feel the pain of my son. And I got to let myself feel that pain. And, and, or, or, or with my children or, or some other relationship with friends or, or with neighbors. And sometimes I just feel the pain of the world. And and like every human being, every normal human being, I'd rather not feel that pain. But if I ignore that pain and go about my day, I will be a less full, vibrant, full-feeling, fully alive human being. What I'm supposed to learn, I will not learn. And it will keep on coming back. If you lay there and just let yourself feel the real, you may find there's an ache. Sometimes it's subtle. But the subtle ones are often the more important ones to pay attention to. And if you, if you investigate it, what's causing this pain, you may find that it's a sense of loneliness, for example. A sense of loneliness. And, and, and if you let yourself feel that, it will give you some wisdom. It will drive you perhaps to seek out more meaningful relationships with other humans or maybe a, more, a deeper relationship with God. But it's there for a reason. Don't mask it. Embrace it. It has a purpose. Sometimes as you're laying there letting yourself feel the real, I find that the Lord sometimes gives me an ache which is there to tell me something about my life needs to be changed. Sometimes, you know, life always is growing. Like we sang earlier, it's always changing, and it's supposed to. It's never stagnant. So something that was totally okay last year, maybe now is not okay, and you'll feel pain about that. It's God's way of saying, time to outgrow that. Time to lose that attitude. Time to lose that habit. Time to change. And the more we resist that, sticking with the old, the more pain it will cause. Pay attention to that pain. God maybe will use it to say, time to look at a new occupation or time to notice something in your life uh, that that's supposed to change or inv- get involved in a new sort of ministry. Pay attention to the pain. Let yourself feel it, embrace it and learn from it. Sometimes God will use it to grow you in ways you otherwise would never grow. Several years ago, uh, not several years ago, about a year ago, I started to feel an ache, a weird ache in my, as soon as I'd wake up, I'd feel this ache. Did somebody have this, like there's a, maybe a little anxiety or, or it's just kind of an ache. I found if I get out of bed right away and go on my business, it goes away. It eventually disappears. So why not just do that? It's like popping a little Vicodin but see it's there for a reason and it was hard because I I couldn't figure out what, what why is it there what's that it's a weird and kind of gnawing ache what is that about it's, it's kind of like Dr. House <laughs> Have you ever watched the, the, the television show House like you, you know you're trying to figure out the symptom what could be causing this well do some investigation let yourself feel it don't mask it and investigate it and, and what I found took me a while what I found is that I had acquired an idol in my life. An idol is anything that you're getting worth and significance from, core worth and significance or security, other than Jesus Christ. And what had happened with me, and I didn't know this, usually we don't notice when we acquire idols in our life, the little parasites that suck life out of us. But, but what, I, what, what happened was, there's this project that I've been working on for like 12, 13 years now, Uh, I go back, you know, I take breaks and do other things. I keep coming back to it. It's a major project, trying to prove a certain thesis about the influence of Greek philosophy on the early church theology. And so I'm reading, oh, just all these ancient philosophers and and, and, uh, thousands of books and thousands of articles and a thousand original documents and had to learn Latin and learn Greek. And there's all this work going into this. I love it. I actually, I love reading this stuff and it's exciting. I get jazzed. Uh, and, and just when I'm getting ready to write it, something else gets published, and i got to read that book, and there's always this kind of procrastination about the whole thing. It's now going to be a two-volume uh, uh, work, a thousand pages apiece. The publisher gave me permission, so it's just growing and growing and growing. Probably no one on the earth is even going to read it, but, uh, you know, that, that's... Okay, but as I'm getting older, as I'm sure many of you have found, you know, your energy level changes, and life speeds up and speeds up, speeds up. And I, I noticed, though I hadn't thought about this consciously, but th- there's a part of me that was wondering: am I going to run out of steam on this thing? And maybe it will never get published. What if I lose my passion? Or what if I just get too old? Uh, what if I lose my mental sharpness? Or what if I just die? And then it seems like all this work that I've invested so much in will be a complete waste. And what I had allowed to happen is that this thing had become part of my worth and my significance. The meaning of my life as a human being is in part invested in this project getting done, which causes anxiety at the possibility that it might not get done. That's an idol. That's an idol. I never would have learned that if I hadn't paid attention to the pain. And what the Lord was saying is, Greg, you know, that's a good project. And, I'll, you know, I'll lead you on that. But it should never, it should never, nothing should ever be part of your core worth and significance or security except for me. So transfer your allegiance to this project over to me. And get all your, your, your sense of life and being fully alive from the fact that I love you with an everlasting love. And, uh, and, and you go at this project to manifest the fullness you already have, not to try to compensate for some lack of fullness that you don't have. I had to deal with that pain. But the result is, see, a joy. For the joy set before you, you endure the pain. The joy is being free. One of the main sources of pain in our life. Now, some pain just comes at you. Some of it's just, you know, stuff that's part of the fallen world. Got that. But some of the pain in our life, a lot of it, I think, is the result that we cling to idols. Wherever you have an idol, you will have pain. Guaranteed. The Bible actually promises you that. Galatians 5 To the extent that you have idols in your life, you're living in the flesh, and the works of the flesh include anxiety and worry and depression and all sorts of other stuff. You're clinging to something that you know will eventually leave you. You weren't made for that. It causes anxiety and pain in your life. And if you want the joy of being free, pay attention to the pain. Embrace the pain. Grow from the pain. Don't mask it. Don't run from it. No, embrace it, learn from it, and then move into the greater joy of being free. Kingdom freedom is not needing anything external to Jesus Christ as a source of life. Kingdom freedom is doing a lot of stuff with passion, dancing with passion, but not because you need it to complete something, but because you're already full out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you're free. It's the freedom of not having to be compulsively worried about how you look as you age or, 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 or what you're losing as you age or what you've accomplished in your life or how meaningful this is or that is. That's freedom, folks. It's a freedom to not even need to live anymore, although you love life, even more so now uh, because you found fullness of life in Christ. But you don't have to cling to anything that is freedom. For the joy set before you, you have to go through the pain and embrace the pain that the idol is causing, trace it back, find the idol, and relinquish it. bottom line here, folks, is this. We have to become people who are courageous enough to face the pain, embrace the pain, follow the pain trail, learn from the pain, invite Jesus in on the pain in order to be freed from the pain. And now you discover a deeper fullness of life, a deeper joy than you otherwise would have known. Let go of the old strategies of masking the pain, whatever they may be. Your little ways that you developed of of pain avoidance, conflict avoidance, dancing around the elephant in the room, Ways of medicating the pain, pain relief. Whether it's your workaholism or obsession with entertainment or some other sort of addiction, I encourage you to face the pain. In fact, let's do this right now. Let's end with facing the pain. Close your eyes for a moment. This is an exercise that I think works better if you're doing it first thing in the morning when your life isn't clogged with a lot of other things, but let's try it right now. Holy Spirit, will you just help us to be very honest and in touch to feel the real. Just allow yourself to feel what is real and especially pay attention to this. Is there an ache in your heart? An ache in your spirit? Holy Spirit, reveal to us a pain you want us to pay attention to. He won't overwhelm you with all the pain. He'll give you one thing to think about. And just sort of identify that right now. Identify that. Maybe in some way represent it in your mind. What is this pain about? Could be a relationship. Could be something about your life that you don't like very much. Could be any number of things. Just just represent it in your mind. And allow yourself right now to feel it. Just feel it. You have to maybe confront some of those strategies that always want to avoid pain. Just say no to it for a little bit right now and just embrace the pain. Is there an ache? What is the ache? What's what's off? Something's wrong. And now let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. First, Holy Spirit, will you show us maybe ways that we have dysfunctionally been running from this pain or masking this pain, covering the pain up? Reveal that to us, Holy Spirit. Because many times we don't even know we're doing it. Holy Spirit, teach us. Give us wisdom about this pain. And then, Holy Spirit, will you show us what would be a long-term solution? Give us wisdom about the cause, the cause of this pain. Give us the courage to keep facing this pain. We invite you in on this pain and ask you to give us wisdom as to how, what we can change, what we can alter to begin to fix the problem that's causing the pain. Give us your wisdom, Holy Spirit. Jesus, help us to be a people who understand that part of the deal in the fallen world is pain. And help us to be a people, Lord God, who have the courage to face it and not run from it or mask it or medicate it. And help us, Lord God, to be a people who seek your wisdom about all the pain in our life, to embrace it as something that is a tool to teach us, continue to grow us, mature us, disciple us. And God, give us a vision of the joy that is set in front of us that we might endure whatever pain we have to go through to enter into that joy. The joy of being a fully alive, vibrant, dancing, passionate, loving, God-honoring human being. Help us to never settle for anything less. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The altar is open if you'd like to come forward for any uh, need whatsoever. I encourage you to do that. This is a seminar, and we've got assignment sheets at the Hub. If you want to do some assignments throughout the week, I encourage you to do that. Pick up the assignment sheet. Uh, God bless you guys. Face the pain. Build the kingdom.